Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 14th episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Kuhn. Please do me a favor and share this podcast with your friends and drop us a five-star rating. Give me a follow on Twitter to share all your thoughts and comments with me and talk about coming on as a potential guest at It's R.A. Kuhn. That's I-T-S-R-A-C-O-O-N. As you know, we finish every episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast with our guest's favorite walk-up song. I made a Spotify playlist that I will continue to update after I record each episode. Just search Pulling Tarp on Spotify. It will be there with all the other episodes of the podcast. I'd like to welcome on a very special guest, Marco Lanave. Marco is the lead broadcaster and also does sales for the Akron Rubber Ducks, AA affiliate of the Cleveland Indians. He's also a sports anchor on 92.3 The Fan Cleveland. He's also worked for the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp and the Quad Cities River Bandits. We'll dive into this interview with Marco right after this break. All right, Marco, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. First off, how many states have you had a driver's license in? <laughs> well, again, thanks for having me, Bobby. It's good to catch up with you. Um, so I have had uh, driver's licenses in three states, oh. uh, Minnesota, Florida, and Ohio, uh, because when I was in Iowa, I was close enough to Minnesota to still go back and I'll renew my license Bingo. in Minnesota. All right. I am up to four, I believe. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Maryland, and Delaware. So I thought you were gonna you were at least gonna tie me or beat me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what does your office look like these days? Well, uh, these days, or at least for the last uh, seven weeks or so, it has been a remote office, uh-huh. uh, and it actually changed in that span. I moved apartments. Oh, wow! Uh, because I because I had time, you know. <laughs> uh, moved uh, just about ten minutes closer to the ballpark, Canal Park here in Akron. Uh, so I work uh, from the, uh, the table, which is the only you know large table that I have. You could call it the dining room table, but it's the, the table. Uh-huh. Um, so I always. I found early on that routine really helped me. So I set up and I always sit at the same spot and, uh, you know, I try to look out the window too. That sort of helps a little bit. Um, but always sit at the same spot on the table when I'm working and have my laptop set up. And that's, that's been the office in this time. All right. Are you getting a lot more work done or is there more distractions? Um, you know, uh, as someone who travels quite a bit um, during the season, um, the whole remote work concept was not too foreign to me. Um, so I, I, f- I guess I felt comfortable in that sense. It is hard not being able to collaborate with colleagues, though, mm-hmm. um, in person. 
Um, our organization has done a good job of having, you know, daily calls and, and virtual meetings, that sort of thing. Um, so there's been structure to the day, which I think has helped me be um, pretty productive and um, be able to, to dive into some tasks that, um, you know, otherwise we would not be doing right uh, here in, in early May, probably almost a month into the season. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And Marco, I was doing a little bit of research on you. Of course, we know each other from when we both worked in the Midwest League, um, but I had no idea about this. You have a bachelor's degree in chemistry. How in the world did you become a baseball broadcaster? <laughs> well, actually, I became a, well, you could say I, I, I tried out a baseball broadcasting a little bit before I got that chemistry degree. Um, I remember winning uh, an opportunity. I was, I was one of these uh, kids that got an opportunity to be on the air for uh, a half inning or an inning um, oh, okay. back when I was a kid. So, uh, and I was a baseball fan, of course. Sure. And when I went to college, um, didn't know exactly what I wanted to you know, major in. That's the big question. Mm-hmm. But I did know that um, I wanted to try and find a way to stay around sports, especially baseball, because I, I love baseball. Right. Um, and I couldn't keep playing because I wasn't good enough. But at the University of Minnesota, um, all of these various options are open to you at this uh, huge public university. And um, I was very good at math and science. Okay. So I kind of stuck with that. I also took some journalism classes at the same time. Um, tried to even find a way to bring them together. I spent my last summer before my senior year uh, working for a uh, plasma physics laboratory uh, out at uh, Princeton University, a science communication internship. So that was uh, trying to bring together the science side and the, the communication side. I figured, oh, this could be, you know, really good. And Very interesting. Uh, the, highlight, the highlight of that summer was um, getting to visit all of the East Coast ballparks. Me being from Minnesota, I hadn't seen sure. a lot of these, so... Getting to see games at all of them was was the highlight. Oh, yeah. um, and then, yeah, less than a year later, I uh, finished up my uh, chemistry degree, did chemistry research my last semester of college. Um, and I had worked it out that I only needed to do the research, didn't have to do any more classroom time. And that allowed me to um, get an internship with the Minnesota Twins. Okay. Because, of course, baseball internships aren't necessarily friendly to an academic calendar depending on when you graduate Mm -hmm. Um, but I had lined it up well enough that um, I could make myself available and uh, was fortunate very fortunate to have that opportunity with the twins so um, yeah chemistry was uh, you know uh, something I could I could do and uh, I figured well I'll I'll go through with with this Um, but a lot of my extracurriculars working for the student radio station the student newspaper um, uh, doing a couple of summers with my hometown um, Northwoods League baseball team, um, all coincided with that, you know, baseball and, and journalism side of things. Right. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't that the chemistry degree um, got me my job opportunities <laughs> in baseball. Sure, sure. It's always it's always interesting to see how that kind of stuff works out. Of course, um, but so. And I, and I was involved with uh, the Shorebirds when they rebranded for, for like one game or um, we did the Copa rebranding, of course. But 
What was it like being heavily involved when the team in Jacksonville rebranded from the Suns, who had a very outdated logo, by the way, to the Jumbo Shrimp back in 2016? And can you go into detail on what all is involved in that process? <laughs> oh, boy, that's probably a whole podcast uh, unto itself. <laughs> um, but, you know, in, in summary, I will say, you know, it's one of those unique experiences uh, that, you know, not everybody in, in minor league baseball, you know, might get. I think pulling tarp is, is probably a little bit more common uh, experience. Uh, rebranding, not necessarily. Right. Um, but uh, it was definitely, uh, you know, a, a signature career moment um, to be part of that. I think um, getting the chance to, uh, my role was as the, the PR and, and, uh, and media relations manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I was uh, brought in on, hey, this is what's, you know, going on. Um, I think about maybe eight weeks, or sometime between six and eight weeks before we were about to announce it. So I was told, Hey, this is we're going to rebrand, and and this is what it's going to be. Okay, and uh, you know, to me, it was you know a little bit a little bit overwhelming, a daunting task. But oh, sure, of um, course. <laughs> um, I think I was I was won over by how well thought out the brand was. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, you know, Florida being the sunshine state, Jacksonville Suns makes tons of sense. Sure. Um, but there's also the Hagerstown Suns and yeah. the Phoenix Suns. Mm-hmm. And um, so it wasn't, you know, a unique name to Jacksonville necessarily. Um, but the, uh, you know, the process, of course, now the rebrand took place um, as it did actually with the team in Akron a few years earlier, took place one year after or the after the the first season of operation by uh, Ken Babby and Fast Forward Sports Group. Okay. So he didn't buy the team and then change it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, had operated as, as the Suns, um, and that, you know, gave us time to learn about the community and this, this brand, which um, was, um, you know, came to life, I guess you could say, um, with the help of, of Brandios, mm-hmm. uh, which is known in minor league baseball circles. Sure. Um, with some elements that, that, you know, we were able to learn about, okay, what makes Jacksonville unique? One was it's this, uh, big city, but kind of has this small town feel. So you have this, this big, small feel. So, um, it's, you know, that you get the oxymoron of jumbo shrimp, big, small, um, and the shrimping industry actually has uh, quite a bit of history, uh, in that area, um, a lot of the modern shrimping uh, technology was was developed there along that northeast uh, coast of Florida. Okay. Um, so that's how the the shrimp got tied in, and then uh, they uh, you know featured water because there's the St. John's River going through and the the ocean, so they featured water in the logo. They had this this shrimp, you know, tough looking muscular shrimp in the form of a J for I Jacksonville. Love it. I love it. And the, the color scheme was, uh, um, uh, patriotic, uh, red, white, and blue, okay. um, because it is a military, uh, town. I mean, the, the, right. the naval base is there. Um, I mean, you run into a lot of people who, um, are serving in the, in the Navy, serving in the military mm-hmm. there. So that identity incorporating all of those pieces, 
um, was was pretty cool. And that's that's what I think, um, you know, I guess won me over to the idea. But I will say I could sympathize a bit with those who were um, surprised, frustrated, disappointed, just just uh, distraught um, in some cases over the change um, because you know, I was someone that, that I, you know, love baseball history and tradition. And even in my hometown in the Northwoods league, um, the team that I grew up going to games, uh, for was called the St. Cloud river bats. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, you know, my childhood introduction to baseball and my family remembers going to those games and the river bats hold a, a special place in our hearts. Um, that team was bought by new ownership and they ended up changing the name and the logo and everything at the time to the St. Cloud Rocks, R-O-X. Now that is, um, ties into the former minor league team. I think it was class C or D back in the day. Um, that was the same name, the St. Cloud Rocks Mm -hmm. because St. Cloud, Minnesota, my hometown, is the uh, Granite City is its nickname. Okay. So it, it, it tied in. Um, but again, uh, there's still a part of me that, that says, oh, you know, it really was the River Bats. So when people said, well, you, you guys are still the sons to me, you know, I could understand that. Right. Um, but um, oh. to be part of that was, uh, yeah, pretty pretty uh, incredible. And then to see the the response of the community, I mean, one thing it did was um, I think certainly bring together the front office staff because um, you know everywhere you went you know people were talking about it and um, not necessarily positively some people thought it was it was pretty cool from the get go but there were not many of them but by the time the season rolled around that first homestand in Jacksonville five games and it was the largest five game homestand in terms of attendance that that ballpark had ever seen. Yeah. So, uh, and then by the end of the season here, the attendance had jumped, uh, well over 20%. So clearly it, it, it worked quote unquote. Uh, Not, Uh, not only that, but I can only imagine your merchandise numbers. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the uh, lines I remember early on that, uh, our owner, you know, would say is you know you don't just rebrand to you know get get the merchandise right Um, certainly that that comes as part of it but but the whole effort and i think the you know you see teams doing it now for a game here or there because there are some merchandise kickbacks there sure but to really go all in and say we are changing the name of this team and this is what it's going to be known as you know, from now on, right. Um, that's a, that is a big risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, fortunately, um, the, the community responded, uh, you know, well, and, um, and people took a lot of pride in, yeah, this is, this is the jumbo shrimp. This is Jacksonville. And yeah, and this is who we are. I do. I do love it. I don't know if you listened to, um, the episode that I did with Paul Caputo, um, but he is a blogger for sp- sportslogos.net and he specializes. He actually wrote a book about minor league baseball logos 
and he is a big fan of the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp logo as well. <laughs> also, I just wanted to touch, and I was just thinking about this, you've worked for some teams that have some wild names and logos and mascots. you got the Quad Cities River Bandits, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp, and the Akron Rubber Ducks. Wow, what a, what a combination. What a time to be alive, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and uh it's 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 fun when um you know in our, you know, PR or broadcast role, sometimes you get to, you know, talk to different groups and that sort of thing and I've kind of realized that um you know, the 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 names of minor league teams are are supposed to be fun, you know, because sure. minor league baseball is about fun. Right. So, I always sort of built in build in a pause to my conversation and sort of you know, wait for the laugh when I say, Hey, you know, I grew up going to the St. Cloud river bats games. And right. um, then I worked for the quad cities river bandits Mm -hmm. and you just sort of pause for the, you know, the, the laughs and so on with the jumbo shrimp and the the rubber ducks and that sort of thing. But, but that's, you know, definitely with um, the, the rebrand with the jumbo shrimp, people are, people are like, how can you take this team seriously? You know, this is a pro sports team and all that. And, um, you know, it, but we said this, our brand is fun. It should be, yeah, of course. um, you know, it, it should cause people to smile because that's what we're all about. Yeah, of course. I totally get it. I love it. Can you explain to the listeners what your daily duties are during the season and in the off season, Marco? Sure. Um, well, I know you've had some uh, broadcasters on and they probably covered, you know, some of the responsibilities. No, it's not just showing up at the ballpark and, and calling the game when it's game time. They, th- they think um, that's every like the fans <laughs> think that that's everybody. Like we just we just work from April to uh, September and we show up for four hours a day and that's it. We all go home. Uh, but... <laughs> Well, real briefly, um, I know you mentioned that uh, I do sales, um, more uh, of the ticket sales, although some um, uh, corporate partner uh, uh, sales as well. Mm -hmm. Um, That takes up a lot of the off-season time. Um, It is, you know, uh, time on the phone, meeting with people, um, you know, uh, networking, Mm -hmm. uh, prospecting, you know, sort of the traditional um, sales technique. Now there's some different things, you know, we have events here and there that we help out with. Um, and because of my background, you know, I can help out with, you know, website projects and and things like that. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, it is, um, pretty focused on the sales side. And then during the season, it, it really does change shift more to the broadcasting because I do travel with the team as well. So I'm keeping the same schedule as as the team essentially, but right. um, for the most part, when it's uh, you know a homestand, I'm in at the same time as the rest of the front office staff. So right. weekdays, that's nine a.m. I will spend the earlier part of the day. Usually, um, that's focusing on the on the sales time and, and a lot of it during the season because. Um, you know, a lot of seeds have been planted in the off season, fortunately, right. Um, gets to be, you know, servicing those, those clients and, and making sure things are lined up for them and um, doing a good job there. Um, and then uh, for myself, I, 
uh, maintain the, the roster and the game notes. Uh, so I'll, you know, make sure that uh, those are updated daily. Um, and then having the chance to check in uh, with uh, folks in the clubhouse um, and then um, use the afternoon more so to be able to uh, prepare for the, the game that night. Um, so, but there are times, you know, that, uh, okay, you know, I, I had to interrupt my calls in the morning because we go out and we, you know, pull the tarp right. and then you come back inside and then I got to, you know, chip away at some of the game notes and then, Oh, found out we got a roster move. So I got to do that. And, yep. um, you know, again, the routine that, that a lot of people are familiar with in, in minor league baseball. And then, um, on the road, uh, it's, uh, of course, um, taking the, you know, the, the team bus, um, staying at the team hotel, um, getting to the ballpark and, um, you know, that usually gets to be the time when I can interact a little bit more with the team. I might do more interviews on the road than I get sure. to, um, you know, at home, uh, interacting with the team. But, um, then it's, um, for road games, uh, just myself calling the game. So it's, it's setting up, you know, setting up and breaking down depending on the starter end of the series and, um, calling the game and then afterwards, you know, writing up that uh, recap and having sure. that on our uh, online platform and that sort of thing. And then start knocking out notes for the next day. And sometimes I will uh, get a jump start at that late at night because um, I'm not getting phone calls or yeah. interrupted otherwise. Mm-hmm. So I'll, uh, I'll even pop on, you know, listening to some major league games or watching some games while I'm plugging away at those yeah. uh, notes for the next day. And maybe it becomes the next day because I'm up after midnight. That's not uncommon. Of course, of course. Um, such is the life of minor league baseball. Right. right. Um, I'm going to skip a couple questions in the outline that I gave you because I feel it ties in here. Most baseball broadcasters don't sell. So do you think it's easier or harder to sell sponsorships, group outings, ticket plans, that kind of stuff as the radio broadcaster? Um, well, what would I say to that? Um, <laughs> obviously you have less time, sure. uh, to do, uh, sales when you're, you've got a, that role, uh, right. broadcasting, um, and traveling and, and that sort of thing. Um, but I think there are benefits to, um, having both roles. I think the link that I see between them is, um, uh, bringing baseball to people. Right. You know, whether it's I'm describing I'm bringing you to the ballpark sort of in a virtual sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, describing what's what's happening and, and telling you stories about the team and and about the, you know, the organization and that sort of thing. Um, or I'm bringing you to the ballpark with, um, you know, your ticket package. I'm, um, you know, helping your family uh, experience baseball, you mm-hmm. and your kids or your extended family or your your church group or your um you know work group or or that sort of thing um and i'm I'm bringing you the game that way so it's it's sharing the game of baseball in a couple of different ways um and i think my um my hope my enthusiasm for the game that you know got me into this in the first place 
is able to come through when I'm, you know, talking with people on the phone or getting to meet new people and, and hosting people at the ballpark. Um, I think that's, um, you know, that, I, that that's a help for me. And it's something interesting. You know, people are fascinated, I think, when, right. when it does come up that, yeah. oh, well, what do you, you know, what do you do? Or, you know, uh, when I visit them mid game, you know, I sort of explain, well, yeah, you're seeing me now because I'm calling the game on the radio sure. and they think that's pretty cool. Yeah, so, of course. Um, there's, there's ways to make it sort of, uh, you know, benefit, um, uh, both ways. Um, and you know, sales is, is the, um, I, I think I learned this really well in, in Jacksonville, our vice president of sales, Linda McNabb, who has been in baseball for a long time. I think she was very good about training us as, as uh, sort of, uh, you know, uh, less experienced uh, sales uh, personnel um, of how important it is to the whole, um, you know, e- economy of the, of the game and mm-hmm. um, to really be at the heart of, of the engine that kind of drives the, the whole business um, is, is pretty nice. And to me, you know, I loved playing baseball, being part of a team sport. I like being part of the team's success as well. Sure, sure. Um, you know, broadcasting and, and traveling can can feel a little bit lonely sometimes. Um, but there is something really cool. I, I think back to that, um, you know, those years in Jacksonville, you know, um, when we had success as a team that came from all the way at the start of, hey, yeah, we have to be on the phone talking with people about, um, you know, our, our rebrand and explaining to them, you know, what happened and, right. and um and that sort of thing to then enjoy the success later um, of the attendance surge and um, the things that we were able to accomplish and, and take notice uh, on a national scale. Right. Um, you know, I got to be a part of the team and I felt like I contributed to that. So um, course, yeah. I don't know if I'd use it easier or harder, but there's, there's a time dynamic, but then there's a way that those can benefit right. each other. And um, um, we do also have, um, uh, you know, uh, media and PR coordinator here in Akron, Patrick McGuire, um, who picks up a lot of, you know, the, the media requests that we get that I know a lot of my peers and, and earlier in my career that I was uh, getting to handle that. Um, so um, there are some things that are sort of um, less on my plate than they were before Okay, uh, that, yeah. that makes some more room for me to do um the, the sales sure. uh, better than I could otherwise. Right. And I, you know, I asked that question because yes, um, it's difficult because of the time and stuff like that. And I totally realize that, but going into meetings, I feel like you're the person they want to talk to. Like you have the, <laughs> you have the most stories about the team, the most statistics, the most insight about what goes on in the clubhouse and stuff like that. And people want to know that. And, um, for, for, you know, just, I'm not going to say just account executives, but for account executives, it may be difficult to touch on that kind of stuff because they're not as heavily involved and it's all about relating to the client. And if they're big baseball fans, you are the person they want to talk to and and hear about all of that information. So that's that's why I asked the question is because 
Um, and quite frankly, I've had other broadcasters on, like you've said, and but they don't sell or or they do, but you know they dabble in it and they're you know semi successful or what have you. But I just always wanted to know because because like I don't know, just because it's kind of uncommon. Yeah, well, and you've got it. You've got it exactly right as to um, you know how it can benefit someone in in my role of. Yeah, when I'm talking to baseball fans, um, I can I can sort of feed that um, that hunger for the the, the baseball side. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can go all day with that. And um, you also know that that this role is a one where you interact with so many different uh, yes. people, mm-hmm. um, and to have that experience and to be able to relate to people in a lot of different ways. Um, makes it, uh, you know, a lot easier. And, um, you know, we talk about on, on the broadcast of, of being able to, um, you know, be likable or, um, that people enjoy listening to you, that they feel that they're getting to know you have personality, that sort of thing. It's the same thing in sales. They talk about, you know, you sell yourself first and, um, the way you, you know, conduct yourself, uh, in that sales process, um, you know, is is going to win people over it's right uh, i so couldn't it's, it's yeah i couldn't agree with you more um because i've i've been in sales um not only in minor league baseball but i'm in insurance now um but and i was and i was marketing and pr and all that kind of stuff in minor league baseball and but but it all comes down to sales because that's what pays people salaries um but it's and and I think me moving around the country and having the experiences that I've had from minor league baseball and knowing different kinds of people and being able to so it really helps me because I can relate to a lot of different kinds of people and and it sounds like that's exactly what you're saying so I couldn't agree with you more on the sales front honestly so uh, but. What made you make your most recent move from Jacksonville to Akron? We talked about it a little bit before we started recording, but. Yeah, so um, Jacksonville and Akron are owned by the same owner. I don't know if I mentioned that already. Uh, Ken Babby, a fast forward sports group. So basically it was it was staying within the company. Uh, they had an opportunity for me. Um, in Jacksonville, I was a media and public relations uh, manager, um, and broadcast-wise, um, I was uh, on the home game broadcast with uh, Roger Hoover, um, who was uh, up until uh, actually just uh, this this spring when he got a new opportunity. Um, okay, he uh, uh, moved on, but um, he was in Jacksonville the whole time, uh, seasonal as the broadcaster there. Um, so he would do the travel. And then I would be on with him for the home games. So I had a smaller role than I did with uh, Quad Cities broadcast-wise. Okay. Um, and this uh, opportunity with, with Akron was going to be a step up uh, in terms of, of broadcasting. Um, and, uh, yes, it did mean leaving the, the sunshine a little bit and <laughs> kind of getting back to the, the Midwest. Yeah. Um, not getting all that close to home. It's still a flight away. Yes. Um, but again, I'm, I'm familiar with the Midwest, you know, culture and climate. And uh, I, I think the, the big thing was um, 
it wasn't a shift so much in, in organization as, you know, one team to another so often is in minor league baseball. Mm-hmm. It was staying within the company, people that I knew in Akron okay. that I'd gotten to know over my time in Jacksonville. Right. Um, so that made it quite a bit easier to say, okay, yeah, this is an opportunity that, that uh, I, I want to take advantage of. And um, I'm excited about being able to grow within this organization that sure. I've come to appreciate already three years into working for them. Okay. Fantastic. And what was it like winning a championship with the river bandits in 2013? It was great. Um, you know, I, I, f- I feel for folks who, um, you know, have worked in the industry and not had the chance to experience a championship because, um, that is, uh, you know, very special and, um, being able to see every game, call every game of that championship run was, was a ton of fun. Um, there were some, you know, great players on that 2013 river bandits team. That was yeah. the first year as the Astros, uh, affiliate. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was uh, Carlos Correa was sort of the, 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 I would say probably the crown jewel of that team. And he stayed with the team the whole year. Um, but we also had Lance McCullers and Vince Velasquez and Tony Kemp and Rio Ruiz and uh, Chris Davinsky, all guys that, that made it to the major leagues. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they caught fire at the right time. And um, it was, it was a lot of fun to, to be a part of. And I remember, uh, I, I don't think you were there yet. Uh, by the time, uh, we, we played Beloit in the, uh, semifinals and had to win in Beloit, uh, to, to, um, Oh, I was there. Clinch the division. Yeah. So I was um, the director of food and beverage, <laughs> which is the hardest right. position <laughs> to plan for in a one game playoff scenario um, cuz you don't know how many how much food to have on hand right right so um so yeah i, I know we both remember that uh, differently um certainly but <laughs> sure. um but yeah it was it, it was definitely a career highlight to of course uh, to call that game. Uh, all right i um Teoscar hernandez caught the final out now that i'm remembering uh against south bend and um yeah, of course, uh, he's another major leaguer. So, yeah. I mean, the team was loaded. I, and again, um, it was only my second year in minor league baseball. So you could say, well, you know, I didn't quite appreciate it in, in, in its full context. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. But um, I, I definitely savored it and realized that it was it was something very special. Fantastic. And um, I, uh, I, I know Andrew Chesser, of course. And right. um, he he had told me that you weren't a, or I think you may have told me that you weren't a big drinker, which is you know fine. Um, but he said you did you did sit down and have have a nice. I can't remember who the sponsor is, but you had you had a nice <laughs> um, adult beverage, and and you were drenched in champagne after you won. And he said he said like he couldn't have been more happy for you at that at that point. <laughs> yeah, it was um, it was you know something where um, I just enjoyed you know being along for the ride, you know the bus ride and being around the team that you know yeah. when they when they when they won. Um, and they, they were able to win, win it all, clinch it and sweep at home. 
And uh, I went down to the clubhouse, not intending to partake in the celebration. You know, um, that's for the players. That's for the team. <laughs> I think I was just delivering the box scores, you know, or whatever. Because, right. you, know, you know, I didn't have it to be anybody else to help with that. So, um, you know, so I, saw, I sort of saw it from the distance. But, um, yeah, then one of our front office, you know, folks pulled me in there. And, and the players spotted <laughs> me. And the coaching staff spotted me. And they, yeah, they... When you travel know, with the team, you're part of the team, Marco. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they, they got me, I think, with an ice bucket or something. Um, there's a picture that I tweeted, actually, uh, as part of you know my minor league baseball memories when there was this challenge going on Twitter. There's a picture of me with my mouth open, and I'm just soaked you know, from <laughs> having the, the ice bucket dumped on me. And, uh, yes, I did uh, enjoy, a, 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 I think it was a can of beer or something, uh, that uh, uh, our manager Omar Lopez had uh, procured just for the occasion, you Perfect. know, because uh, you know they had wanted to say, "Hey, you know, Marco, you you know, you got to celebrate," you know, and you have to, uh, and you know, I was like, "Okay, yeah, a, a championship." Uh, I had worked that out with Omar, you know, in theory weeks before because right. he, he was wanting, you know, hey, if we are able to do this, I said, "Okay, okay," you know that's a pretty high bar to get. And yeah, I was yep. just as thrilled as anybody uh, that, we, that we were able to do that. I was so upset last year. The shorebirds were the best team in minor league baseball. They had over 90 wins and we hosted the first playoff game and we lost. And that was, mm. that was it. it. That was, that was the series. And it was we ended up losing one nothing and Ugh. but but we were riding high the entire season we had so yeah. many prospects on the team we won over i think it, i think we won 92 games or something like that and wow. just to to lose that one game and to be knocked out of the playoffs was was really tough but yeah. um that's uh Two years later, that's what happened. What, what ended up, I didn't know it at the time, but ended up being my last season with Quad Cities, 2015. Um, the team was rolling through the regular season. Um, I don't think they got to 90 wins, but they were high 80s. And mm-hmm. I think, like, best winning percentage in minor league baseball or something like that. And uh, sure enough, that, that first round swept out two games. Cedar Rapids did it. Yeah. Um, so And it was over just like that. So... Uh, yeah, one of those reminders that those championships are not easy. It no, is not they are easy. not. No, they are not, especially in the minor league uh, system here. But um, on that note, we will cut to a break here, and we'll uh, continue this episode with Marco right after this break. Marco, you said during the commercial break that you have some stories about pulling tarp. This is the Pulling Tarp podcast, so uh, enlighten us, please. Yeah, I figured uh, with the title of the podcast, you have to, you know, pull in the tarp at, at some point. Absolutely. But, um, you know, working in the Midwest League, Southern League, the, the Eastern League, um, all have been opportunities to pull tarp and... Uh, 
I feel really good about, you know, um, I, I guess it's not, you know, bragging on a number of tarp poles or, or anything like that, but, um, the uh it's it's kind of the summer workout routine you know oh, for, yeah. for those of us in minor league baseball yes. like like this is this is as much workout as you're going to get because you put in so many hours but um i uh early on i think in my time in quad cities is when i came up with um uh, the the proper what i felt was the proper uh um stretch routine for uh, tarp poles okay um, you know, if you have to go, uh, especially for, you know, rolling it up and that sort of thing, you all meet at the field and, and, uh, are going to, you know, take it off and that sort of thing. So the two key stretches, one is to, um, uh, stretch your, your forearm. All right. So you're, you know, you're pulling on your fingers back towards, you know, yourself, um, with your palm facing out and you're pulling your fingers back with the, with the other arm. Right. So to stretch that forearm. Now, the reason you're stretching the forearm is because you're going to use that when you roll, when you roll the tarp up again, All right. yep. you're going to be using those, those forearms quite a bit. Then the other piece is to, well, you can do it at this, these two stretches at the same time. You can do that, uh, the stretch of the forearm and then you, it's almost like kind of that runner stretch where you put your heel way back and you stretch out sort of the lower part of your leg or the, yeah. your heel um, that you'll use when you're, you know, sprinting to pull that tarp and pull, yes. uh, you know, turn it over to dump the water off because there's kind of a sprint, you know, to get enough momentum. Right. Um, you're going to want, you're going to want that, uh, you know, part of your leg uh, stretched as well. So that is my uh, stretch routine for, for pulling tarp. Okay. I, fe- I attribute that as uh you know, why I haven't really pulled anything, uh, within myself while pulling tarp. All right. Have you ever been involved in a in-game tarp pool? Yes. Um, now of course, normally the the broadcaster would not be. Sure. That's why I asked. I didn't think, I didn't think the answer would be yes. So, so I have been, um, the ones I can think of were in Jacksonville where I wasn't in the booth the whole game right? because I would visit clients during the game. I even had a live in-game interview that I would do. So I would be out and about. So maybe on the concourse a little bit closer mm-hmm. and then it was, you know, an all staff call. So, um, I wasn't sitting in a radio booth where, you, you know, I wasn't on air right. at that point. Uh, so I would scramble down to the field and help out the front office staff. I think it only happened a couple of times, but I did, you know, go ahead and, and uh, help get it on the field. Uh, and then certainly when we knew, okay, we're going to, you know, restart the game, only one of us had to be on the air so I could scramble down and, and help mm-hmm. pull it off as well. And it's kind of, you know, that's kind of fun actually doing, doing a tarp pull, pulling it off the field in front of a, you know, a boisterous crowd. That's actually kind of, it kind is, of fun. it is nice. <laughs> putting it, putting it on during a game is a different animal. Yes. Um, yes. but yes, uh, when you, when you're taking it off and there's a good crowd that night, it can, it can be nice. You, you feel like one of the players, you're like, Oh, they're cheering right. for me. Right. Right. <laughs> yep. That's, that's as close as I'm going to get. Yep. Exactly. Me too. I got a I got a noodle for an arm, so I can sympathize with you on that. Um, but obviously, I know there is some history about the Rubber Ducks name in Akron. 
But how does it feel to work for a team that is named after a child's bath toy? <laughs> well, we actually now are starting to uh, wear staff polos that have a that that yellow uh, bath toy looking uh, logo. Perfect. Um, I think people people know the brand here. Of course, there's things that are businesses in town, even that are rubber city. You know what, whatever sure. it is. Yeah. So Akron is known as the the rubber city. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, what is a, a a fun character that you know kids are going to understand? That's the big thing. Is you know, can kids grasp, you know, what this is when they look at it? True, oh, yeah, true. They, you know, it's, it's, it's the rubber ducks. Yeah. Um, the, the Akron, Akron arrows had been the, the name before a E R O S. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a little bit more difficult, you know, tied into the aerospace and, and that sort of thing. Right. A little bit more difficult maybe for kids to comprehend. Yes. Um, but again, the, the rubber city, uh, rubber ducks, um, you know, because what 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 other what other toy or character is is rubber, uh, you know? So I, I think that's uh, you know how how it works. Um, but again, it's one of those things where if people are smiling, then then that's great because that's what we intend to do with with the experience at the ballpark too. Okay, perfect. Yeah, like like I said, your your team names are uh, really on point. The teams that you've worked for, I'm partial to the River Bandits. My last name is Coon, uh, <laughs> so I love the logo. But anywho, um, what is your favorite baseball record or stat? Now you're a broadcaster. You're well versed in all of this, I'm sure. <laughs> Uh, so, so that's a, that was a good one. Uh, I was, I was trying to think about, okay, what is my favorite, um, yeah, number or, or achievement? I, I would say one, um, actually goes back to my childhood. So when I was, uh, uh, growing up in, in Minnesota, I was too young to remember the twins winning the world series or, um, uh, okay. you know, seeing them, them do well until I was a little bit, uh, older as a teenager, um, so I early on was an Atlanta Braves fan. Okay. And that's when they were, um, you know, they were on so TBS all the time. Right. Right. Yeah. You could watch them even up in Minnesota. I had, yeah. I had never been to Atlanta until I was 25 or 26, I think before I ever got yeah. to Atlanta, um, or knew anything about it. But, uh, but the Braves were, were a team that I, that I rooted for and, um, their record of 14 consecutive division titles that uh, people say, Oh yeah, they only won world series, one world series and all that. Sure. I, okay. I understand that. But, um, that is one that, uh, I think is, is pretty cool. And I think it'll be pretty tough for anybody, uh, or any team, um, to, to beat. I, I want to yeah. say the new England Patriots were starting to come close, but now Tom Brady has left no. the Patriots. So I don't know if they're going to yeah. get there. They're going to catch yeah. uh, the Braves. We'll see. Okay. So I checked in with a former guest who was my he was my first guest on the podcast, um, also a groomsman in my wedding. Um, And so Timmy Hines, he is the uh, stadium operations manager for the Greenville Drive. And but he's worked with me in Beloit and he worked in Birmingham and um, so I I texted him, and I figured, you know, I could make this kind of a, a segment in the podcast, if you will. And I said, what's your favorite record or stat in baseball? 
and he said Sam Crawford's three hundred and nine triples. <laughs> so, all right, that's that is a pretty good one. I feel like three hundred and nine triples is darn good. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, I, that I, is. I don't even think I could. I, I you say Sam Crawford, I, I wouldn't have you know come up with that. You know, you say. Um, you know, Hank Aaron or Pete Rose, okay, right. Nolan Ryan, Cy Young, you can come up with some of those. But, exactly. Oh, that's a good one. That's a yeah. very good one. Yep. Uh, so we have both, you know, partaken and ran um, minor league baseball team social media accounts. What's the weirdest or funniest comment you've read from a fan on a team social media account? Um, I would say uh, around the time of the rebranding, that was, that was pretty unique. You saw some pretty clever and uh, sometimes clever, funny, uh, or just, you know, um, ignorant, uh, comments. And I remember early on, um, and I couldn't find it. I was trying to look for it, but uh, at some point, (laughs) like within the first couple of days that they rebranded from the sons of the jumbo shrimp, um, you know, somebody made a comment about, uh, oh, they're going to, you know, they should fire their whole, you know, PR team or, you know, whatever. Basically, you know, taking a shot at with a, with a title right. uh, that, that I was under, you know. And, of course, I knew that, that this person didn't really know how it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was it was kind of uh, it was kind of uh, nice to, um, you know, months later and less than a year later when we won uh, the organization of the year in the Southern League to be like, yeah, that uh, tweet didn't age all that well. No. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't call it out on Twitter or anything like that. You know, I don't like to embarrass people, but um, there was some satisfaction, I guess, from sure from that because uh, that was, you know, that was a shot sort of taken at, at me and my role. Right, of course. And so you've been with three different leagues in your broadcasting career. What? are your favorite and least favorite cities to go to. Now, I didn't realize that you didn't travel with the team in Jacksonville, but the the question still stands. What is your favorite <laughs> and least favorite cities to go to? Because um, you've, dra- you've traveled quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've made it to all, all the cities in the Midwest League, which, which you, have to do, you have to broadcast over two full years usually, the way the schedule breaks down to, right. to uh, at least two years to see all the cities. And if you and say Beloit, I'm not going to be offended. <laughs> well, here's what I'll say about Beloit. I kind of, uh, I kind of said it was like um, a little bit like camping, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know being up in that press box and, and that sort of thing. Um, uh, That's one way to put Beloit it. Did, Beloit did uh, hit, you know, a couple of the criteria for me um, that are, you know, that can put something more in the positive. Um, there is there was a spot to run, uh, like some running trails and some, you know, decent, you know, run through the forest type of trails. That okay. was really nice. Yeah. Um, and then I could there was a way I don't remember if you got a discount or something. I seem to think there was a way you got free breakfasts. And that's another big one, okay. Uh, you know, for me in in terms of traveling, Perfect. so um, those couple of simple things, you know, could could make me content. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know that uh, um, you know, Beloit was was all negative. Uh, and certainly, <laughs> like I mentioned, you know, there were some very good memories 
from games in, in Beloit uh, because, you know, my team uh, won. I did get to travel a little bit in the Southern League. And um, I don't know if I would say the least favorite city, but uh, actually I enjoyed the, the going there quite a bit. But um, the problem was uh, our team never won there when yeah. I was when I was there. That uh, does have Pensacola. an effect. Yeah. Pens- so Pensacola, uh, Florida, which is an amazing uh, vista in terms of, you know, backdrop for a baseball game. You've got the Gulf of Mexico, you know, out there, Pensacola Bay, right. um, you know, not unlike Quad Cities, which has the Mississippi River, which I, you know, saw uh, from the booth, um, you know, uh, for all of those home games for, for four years. The Pensacola, um, the first time I went there was for the All-Star Game in 2017 with, with our front office staff. And that All-Star Game ended up getting rained out. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> yeah. Now, the Home Run Derby was one, uh, was one for the ages. It was, it was great. The night before, um, Gabrielle Guerrero, who I believe is a nephew of Vladimir and a cousin of, of Vladdy Jr., okay. um, Guerrero ended up winning a tiebreaker with Ronald Acuna Jr., Wow. <laughs> yes. That's great. It was it was really it was really fun. Um I got to I was you know I got a media pass so I was down on the field and um they kept matching each other. It was timed rounds and they kept matching each other and matching each other and matching each other and at a certain point they just called it off and said, "Okay, Guerrero who 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 happened to be playing for the hometown team Pensacola, uh, he wins because he has more total home runs or something like that. Okay. So, uh, so, but, you know, but Acuna and Guerrero, boy, they put on a show. Wow. But anyway, we lost the all-star game. So we didn't get to see the all-star game because it got rained out. And then um, later that year, Jacksonville qualified for the playoffs and we went to Pensacola and because of a hurricane, um, it ended up that the whole series had to be played in Pensacola. Well, the jumbo shrimp got swept. And then I went on a trip the next year uh, joined Roger on, on a trip to Pensacola, five game series, got swept by the Blue Wahoos. Wow. So uh, my team never won, and a, an All Star game got rained out when I made the trip to Pensacola. So I okay. would say that maybe that was uh, uh, least favorite because of the results. But honestly, um, you know, I, I try to find something unique, uh, you know, and, and kind of a positive about each spot you go. And um, certainly with the Eastern League this past year, I mean, each each time I would go, it was kind of a new adventure. So everything was, you know, new and, and exciting, you sure. know, to be able to explore. So um, I feel very fortunate to have been able to travel to all of these, you know, various ballparks and see so many operations. And, um, uh, you know, it's been a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw this, but the owner of the Pensacola team um, is from Wisconsin and he is right on the edge of purchasing the Beloit Snappers. And um, they've got a new stadium planned out, and supposedly they're supposed to break ground later this month. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I did see, I think uh, maybe it was Ballpark Digest, saw the name, and I thought, oh, well, that's that's the guy who owns uh, Pensacola. Yeah, he's so. he's from the next town over from Beloit, Janesville, okay. Wisconsin. Okay. And, um, yeah, I, I'm really hoping that p- pulls through because um, I don't want my blood, sweat, and tears to go unwasted. Right, <laughs> um, right. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. So that's a little selfish 
you know, wish for me. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, the city of Beloit deserves it, honestly. Um, they, they welcomed me and my coworkers with open arms. Um, we were newcomers and, um, you know, we, we had to bend over backwards to make everything work in that stadium and in that organization. But, um, I'm happy for the city of Beloit if, uh, if that comes fruition here. So, um, now here's the big question. What is your favorite concessions item that you've had in all of your baseball ballpark travels? <laughs> uh, so I like, um, again, I don't eat dessert at uh, ballparks uh, very often. Okay. Um, it's just not, um, you know, I, I try to stay relatively healthy, you know, but um, <laughs> good luck. I, yeah, it, it, exactly. But I enjoy, um, apple desserts so um i'll point out two one is uh was in fort wayne uh the tin caps have okay. an apple cart concession stand oh. and i want to say they had like apple dumpling with uh, ice cream or something like okay. that um but i remember that was that was really good probably not great for you know calling a game a few minutes later well. but um that was very enjoyable um and then Speaking of another apple dessert, uh, Roger Hoover and I on a trip to Birmingham, uh, we went to a place and they had something on the menu. This was not at the ballpark. They had something on the menu that was called um, apple pie nachos. And it was like uh, cinnamon sugar chips with um, uh, apple pie filling and uh, pecans and uh, caramel Mm. drizzle and whipped cream and... um, it was apple pie nachos and we thought to ourselves oh my goodness this has to be you know a food item at a ballpark yeah so sure enough we we went back to jacksonville and described it gave them you know the ingredients and showed (laughs) them the picture well sure enough they 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 pulled it off uh for the fourth of july you know wow uh, uh, broke it out at the concession stand and it sold well well they didn't permanently put it on the menu until I had left Jacksonville. Okay. So I was a little bit disappointed, uh, but that was that was very good. All right. Both, uh, both uh, in Birmingham, I'm not remembering the place that it was um, that, that we uh, first got that, but um, now it's now it's a concession item in Jacksonville. Oh wow! Excuse me while I make a note to make apple pie nachos here goodness great that sounds so good <laughs> yes yes and and base you know it it, it sounds like a, a baseball uh you know food item <laughs> yeah absolutely and where can our listeners find you on social media marco sure so um Twitter and Instagram is the same uh at lanave marco so that's l a N A V E M A R C O at Lenave Marco. They can find me there. All right. Perfect. And so we, I know you've been listening to some other episodes, which I thoroughly appreciate, by the way. Um, have to do research, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> you did great research for me, so I got to do this. I, I appreciate that. You know, um, this is, this is a hobby of mine. And, um, like I told you, I've had this idea for a while and just never had the time until I got out of baseball, of course. Um, but now it seems like everybody has more time now. But um, anywho, but um, I I just felt like this was um, 
content then that people that work in baseball and that are just normal fans of minor league baseball would appreciate. Um, so I would appreciate it if you if you share on your social media and you um, share it with your friends and and all that kind of stuff. And that goes for all the listeners. Just you know, nothing nothing grows overnight but but um for this to grow you know we i need this to you know you to share it with your friends and because i think this is quality content and correct me if i'm wrong like i said on twitter at it's ra coon that's i-t-s-r-a-c-o-o-n you know i want to hear your comments and feedback i want to know how to make this better um so if it's not your thing let's make it your thing (laughs) <laughs> but anywho exactly I'll, I'll echo echo that for you all right perfect <laughs> perfect so um so yes i'm working hard on it and and um i love catching up with my old colleagues and um and meeting new people in matter of fact i know um i've had some guests that that i don't know personally and um but it's it's great to talk shop with them that's for sure but so we close out every podcast with the same question what is your favorite walk-up or warm-up song that you've heard in your baseball career and who was the player so i'm gonna go back to um what really is is a a childhood memory i guess so i mentioned that i my family went to games of a northwoods league team Mm -hmm. in st cloud minnesota and um there was um a great player uh, or fan favorite um, at the, at the time that we were uh, going to games. So he played all three years, uh, three summers of college in St. Cloud. He was my brother's favorite player. His name was Tony Arnerich. Um, he ended up playing, I think briefly in the minor leagues um, okay. and then came back to manage the team in St. Cloud. So oh, he, wow. was, he was very well uh, beloved. So there was a special uh, energy in the, in the crowd. Um, and he, you know, he was a special connection for us. Uh, but his walk-up song was um, "If You're Gonna Play in Texas," and that is by Alabama, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm. I, I, I. It would be wrong to say that I'm a you know a country music fan or anything like that. But but if if you but the thing is with that song, and I'm sure with you know walk-up songs, it's like okay, if I hear that song, that's what comes to mind. Yes. Those good times going to the ballpark, you know, with my family. Um, you know, my brother, you know, his, his favorite player, um, and it got the whole crowd excited and, you know, for a song to be able to do that, I, I think that's pretty special. So I, I would say that, that, that was his, uh, walk-up song. And I think it was because he was at, he was from California, but he played at Texas tech, I think. Okay. So I honestly don't know if he chose that song or if it was chosen for him by the DJ at the ballpark, but it ended up uh, being, you know, sort of the, the the anthem at the ballpark that the people really enjoyed, all the way up in Minnesota. Okay, <laughs> the song is "If You're Gonna Play in Texas." If you're gonna play in Texas by Alabama. All right, so yeah. we'll. That is certainly an iconic song, by the way. <laughs> um, I mean, Alabama put out a lot of iconic songs, but but that one, I you know, I know and. Oh man, that that is a good song. Wow. All right, I haven't heard about that song in a long time. But we'll close and, it. And I've not yeah. I've not heard any minor league. I, you know, since then I've never heard it used as a walk up song. Yeah. But I tell you, in St. Cloud, Minnesota, 
there's there is a number of people, you know, maybe even around my age that would say, yep, I remember hearing that song at the ballpark. Okay, perfect. Yeah, that's certainly different as far as walk-up songs go. But uh, we'll close this episode out with If You're Gonna Play in Texas by Alabama. So thank you so much, Marco, for coming on. I really appreciate um, you taking the time and catching up with me and uh, talking shop. And, uh, yeah, just uh, share this on social media wherever you can. And, um, yeah, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Great to catch up, Bobby. Thanks so much, and you stay safe and healthy, and we'll look forward to baseball again soon. All right. If you're yes, going to play in Texas, thank you, so much. you got to have a fiddle in the band. That lead guitar is hot, but not for Louisiana man. So raw's enough that both are faded love, and let's all dance. If you're going to play in Texas, you got to have a fiddle in the band.